You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. It's Locked On Hornets. It's brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. You can subscribe to the pod on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And you can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets, at Walker Mail, and at Nod of the Scribe. We got a weekend to recap and even in a loss against Brooks. There was one big storyline coming out of that game. Vernon Carey made his big boy debut and played really well, certainly offensively scoring over 20 points. We'll get to that later on in the show and actually talk a little bit more about some of the second rounders in this past NBA draft. But the Hornets stopped the bleeding, not in a big, big way. 109 to 101. They beat the Portland Trailblazers. It got scary in the fourth quarter as Portland had that 29 point output and Charlotte only scored 16. They were really Really surging there. Carmelo Anthony, he not even winding back the clock. He's been playing pretty well with Portland ever since he came aboard, but 24 points leading that team in scoring and CJ McCollum had 22 with a game that did not see Damian Lillard. You knew that this was maybe somewhat of a chance for Charlotte with PJ coming back with Terry Rozier, obviously being healthy for a couple of games at that point. You thought maybe this was a shot for them to win at home and they took advantage of it. Even if it got a little ugly late, they were able to hold on despite only scoring 16 points. Huge, huge win for the Hornets last night. No, it was absolutely a huge win for the Hornets. Like that game was karmically the start that they had was karmically everything that had gone wrong in the last couple of weeks. You had you had Terry hitting shots. You had Miles continuing his toward start. To, to, to like since everybody's been gone like you had pj hitting shots you had everybody contributing we had a post we had a rip and poster moment from caleb martin like that like think about what we're talking about <laughs> right here like this was everything that this was a needed bomb this was a needed start to the close of the season considering there i believe there are 17 games left and you're trying to at this point get up get to at least a top six seed if that matters to you now granted that again that if that matters to you maybe an audience of one and that audience is me but at the same time i would say the way that they handled business against a team that was clearly without damian lillard but you will not apologize for for the win i think that was a good way to start a much needed week of trying to make up games and possibly get yourself back into that four or five. Yeah, PJ Washington, uh, along with Terry, you know, I, I think PJ's more the story just because he made his return in this when he had been out for a week at that point with that injury and he comes back, doesn't start. So Vernon Carey gets the start in this game after he had 20 against Brooklyn and it's ugly for him right off of the bat, picks up a couple of extremely early fouls. And then PJ Washington comes in basically within the first minute and uh, Vernon would finish the game with seven minutes having been tallied three missed field goals, one missed three pointer only had one rebound and one steal. And he had 
four personal fouls and two turnovers with zero points. So that was the follow-up game for Vernon Carey, but again, doing a good job against Brooklyn, certainly offensively to help out the Hornets quite a bit in his basically again, his NBA debut. And then you look at uh PJ coming in, yes. right? So PJ comes off of the bench. It's the first time this season that he has not started and he goes eight of 17 from the field. 11 of those shots were three pointers and he hit five of them. He goes for 23 points. He had eight rebounds against a guy like Nurkic, who was obviously huge. And you're talking about four block shots for PJ, which is not that terribly uncommon for PJ this season. He will give you those types of games where he'll come up with three block shots, maybe four, just like he did last night. And he's averaging, I believe, about one and a half this season total when you look at it. Yeah, 1.3 to be exact for PJ. But you've seen him get more comfortable in that role of being that center. And these are not crazy uncommon to see Washington be able to do this. I, I really like what he brings defensively not I know you've talked about that a lot and you've even kind of looked past some of the offensive struggles because of the way that he's learned and developed and become something that a lot of NBA teams don't have a six seven guy that can protect the rim to a a pretty good degree and so and, and for me we've talked about it quite a bit Miles and PJ playing the four five together. It unlocks something that a lot of other NBA teams don't have, which is a small ball lineup that actually will give you some block shots. Miles can come in and help side block and swat it into the stands every once in a while. And PJ is a little bit more consistently protecting the rim. Uh, and and you saw some um, really impressive ones yesterday against Portland. I, I love that PJ had a bounce back game and James Brega was asked about PJ's return last Last night, James said one overall, it was one of the most impressive games that he's had this season. You got to go to Sacramento for the 42 point output, but just overall, you might argue that this was, you know, it certainly was one of the most impressive when you evaluate both defensively and offensively. But Borrego was also asked if PJ kind of needed the mental break along with the physical break and Borrego wasn't going to, he wasn't going to speculate about that. You know, he was like, you know, I I don't know. I I know no one, no one knows about if if he just needed a mental break with all of that. Borrego did say PJ looked fresh physically and mentally. Now he wasn't going to speculate there, but he did say both of those things. He said physically and mentally PJ Washington did look fresh. He provided a ton of effort and you just, you hope that PJ finishes with that type of effort and that type of performance for the rest of the game for the season. I think there's 16 games left. I think heading into last night, there was 17. So there's 16 games left Mm -hmm. and you hope that PJ can provide that type of output um, really from here on out to kind of, you know, maybe end the season on a rise after, it's been certainly a year full of ups and downs for yeah absolutely you're hoping that they that they can turn he can turn the season around and if he closes on the strong note he'll have done something that's similar to what miles bridges did because remember miles had the same slow start to start this uh to start his second year and then when he closed he closed it out strong so if we're talking about a needed mental break for pj washington and possibly understanding everything that that's asked of him and being that Marvin Williams role that remember that we had talked about, I believe last year when, when it came to, okay, who's going to replace Marvin in all of this. So we're talking about replacing Marvin. And now you might have that solid Marv replacement. That's a little bit younger and does just as many things as Marv did when he was here. If he continues to fill the bucket, he fill, fill the stat sheet, and do more on the offensive end, then we're talking about just as big of a possible jump with him 
as much as you can for Miles Bridges and the jump that he's had as well. One thing I have noticed, and it's something that maybe we can talk about on on the other side of the break, I think people are starting to get settled in roles. And I know that's something that Borrego's talked about, especially during the preseason, was that guys, he wasn't going to know where to slot everybody in roles until, three again, halfway, three-quarters in the season. I think people know their roles on this team. And granted, that may change when Malik comes back. That may change when if and when LaMelo comes back. And that also may change when Hayward comes back. But for right now, everybody's settled in a role. Everybody knows what's expected of them. And I think that's got more to do with what PJ's done coming back than anything else this season thus far. All right, I want to talk a little bit more about these guys' roles and maybe even specifically Miles once again next break. But first, let's discuss Indeed. You're the hiring expert for your company, and what you really need is help making your short list of quality candidates. You need a hiring partner who helps make your life easier. You need Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring easy as one, two, three, post, screen, and interview all on Indeed. You can get your quality short list of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster, only pay for the candidates that meet must-have qualifications, and then you can schedule and complete video interviews in your Indeed dashboard. Indeed makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy. With tools like Indeed, Instant Match, giving you quality candidates whose resume on Indeed fits your job description immediately, and Indeed skills test that on average reduces hiring time by 27%. You can choose from more than 130 skills tests or add your own, then add your must have requirements so you only pay for applications that meet those requirements. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all other job sites combined. If you're hiring, you need Indeed. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash locked. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash locked. Indeed.com slash locked. Offer valid through June 30th. Terms and conditions apply. Let's talk a little bit more about those roles. Give some praise to Miles once again. It's coming up next on the Locked on Hornets podcast. This is Locked on Hornets. I don't like doing that unless, like, I am totally annoyed. I don't drop the big joker in spades or that early. I don't drop the big joker. I only do it when I am officially annoyed, and I don't want to have this conversation. And I'm going to be real honest with you, Walker. The last thing I want to be talking about at 10 at night is Blake Griffin and the possibility of him coming here. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today pod. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. And you can follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. Also, it's time to talk about Built Bar because you're getting your day started. Maybe you're getting your day started with this podcast. Maybe you're coming back from a workout. I don't know, but you need to have a Built Bar in hand to make sure you get that energy without all the bad stuff that comes in some of these energy bars. It's delicious flavors, Constantly, caramel brownie, apple almond crisp, orange, toffee almond. There's so many good ones. They're covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and they're easy to chew. And like I said, no bad stuff. It's actually good stuff. Low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. It's great for a keto diet if that's what you're on. And while you go to BuiltBar.com, you can get a free cooler with your purchase while supplies last. Go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 
and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. All right, Nana, let's give some more praise to Miles. We've been doing that a lot over the last couple of weeks. And I was one that when we were discussing who needs to step up with all of the injuries, I thought Miles can step up to a certain degree, right? Like everyone has this ability to... Sure. I I thought that it would be unfair to ask Miles to carry so much of the scoring load because I did not want to get him out of his comfort zone and kind of go back to what you were saying this last segment and get him out of his role. I didn't want to mess with that, right? Like he had been playing so well within that role. I was like, you know what? Let's, let's not tinker with this too much. Okay. Let's not go back to what happened last year have him have a higher usage percentage, you know, try to ask him to do way too much. Mm -hmm. And then you start to see his production take a dip. Well, (laughs) that hasn't happened. This is someone that actually has had more responsibility. And what you're seeing through the month of April, nada, ever since you can go back to that April 1st game uh, against Brooklyn, that loss went 11 to 89 miles bridges has been averaging over 19 points per game. Yes. He's been doing so at 54% uh, from the field. He's doing so 46% from three. And by the way, that's on close to seven three-pointers a game. Still shooting at a high level from the free throw line. He's getting a little bit more involved in facilitating, right? Like they're asking him to play make maybe a little bit more. The assist, he's averaging about two, a little bit um, more than two assists per game. So Miles Bridges, scoring-wise, efficiency, being able to shoot, making the right decision. Of course, he's always going to provide the game-changing play because dunks are awesome, and he's one of the best at that in the league. Can't give enough praise to Miles where even if we were giving it to him in the certain role that he had before the injuries, I was one that said, let's not mess with that. Let's not have him do too much. And they've completely ignored that. And it's worked out for them. Like, yes, the Hornets have continued to lose more often than not. Right. But that's it's not because of Miles. Miles has shot efficiently. That's not because of Miles. Right. He's averaging close to 20 a game and doing so efficiently and not. I mean, it's it's just it's unlocked something that I was a little worried to go and try to search for with Miles. And that's awesome to no, see. That's very awesome to see. And it's also at the same point. This is your anti tanking moment. This is why you don't tank. This is why you put people in the position to potentially win games and to compete on a nightly basis. So watching Miles explode onto the scene right now, and at this point, if he's got a lane and a step, just get out of the way. That's that's my that's my free advice to anybody, any NBA player that happens to be listening right now. If Miles Bridges has a step on you to the lane, on, on his defender to the lane, and is looking to hurt the rim, which is what he's been doing for a little bit, because that one dunk where he basically takes off. Enos Cantor has the good sense to get out of the way. Robert Covington (laughs) has the good sense to get out of the way. Who doesn't have the good sense to get out of the way? CJ McCollum. Like, you know what? I'm just going to jump. Which Mm. which was... It's a bad decision. It's a bad decision. Jumping with Miles Bridges is like trying to beat... It, I have no idea. It's like beating the house in Vegas. You're not going to do it at this point. <laughs> like, like, yeah, please. And especially CJ. Out of all those players that you listed, it's yeah. like, yeah, CJ's probably... He, I, none of them should be jumping with him, but especially, especially CJ not, McCollum. Yeah, especially, please don't jump. Yeah, exactly. Especially not... Again, especially CJ McCollum at that point. But also, the other thing is the second dunk that I wish would have counted because that tap dunk to close the third quarter, that should have counted off of just sheer will alone. But the fact that Miles is fully in his bag, 
shoot, did you see that fadeaway he hit? Like that yeah. mid-range fadeaway in the third. Just like no no problem, feeling good about himself and just balling. And that kind yeah. of miles he- is the kind of miles that player developed like – that's the kind of miles that we don't see. We don't. Ne- we didn't necessarily see this in the Clifford regime. We haven't seen this, like, ever in Horn's history. If we're really ki- kind of honest, short NBA history, where you see this kind of de- player development guaranteed from everybody. This is a rare phenomenon, and I kind of wit. I, I kind of want to impress on the on folks. Enjoy this because this doesn't always happen. Yeah, it's impressive. And continuing to go along that player development route, Vernon Carey has not played a lot at all this season. Um, He's been a guy that, I mean, he's just, James Brego has really refused to give him any kind of minutes. And that's even with Bismack Biombo playing as poorly as he has. Now, you know, he's played in some NBA games so uh, so far, right? Like he's gotten some trash time. He got minutes against Indiana. It's really been a few games in April. You know, it was, it was, it was a couple pretty much each month that he's appeared like no more than seven minutes in, you know, he got his first field goal in the NBA against the Rockets on March 24th, where, you know, he, he made a shot and got and got it and got two points that was it and then against Brooklyn right boom okay so his big boy debut where he actually gets significant run plays 35 minutes (laughs) and goes 9 of 14 from the field and then I I went through the numbers already but he gives you 21 points and he was doing so you talk about mid-range hit a couple of those shots hit that three-pointer against Brooklyn as well you know had a nice role where one of the Martin twins hit him for that assist that bounce pass slip where he was able to you know have a free lane and then just hit the layup so he looked good offensively and it's something he did in Greensboro or in the bubble with the G League bubble. Vernon Carey looks good offensively and defensively. It's going to continue to be a work in progress. Uh, This is what we've known from him. Now, no one is going to say, yeah, I fully expected Vernon Carey to come in and score 21 points. Um, But it's still, I mean, it's it's nice to see that he had that kind of game offensively. James Borrego afterwards said, yeah, we're going to have to take the rest of this season to really look at what Vernon Carey can provide us. So they tried again last night. They start Vernon over PJ and James Rago doesn't like to throw guys in willy nilly upon injury, right? So I, I don't think that was some sweeping statement about PJ having not played well before the injury. I think it was basically him trying to it, Vernon was hot. And PJ was just coming in from injury. And so it's like, all right, this makes sense. Mm-hmm. But Carey has a couple of fouls, bad turnovers, isn't scoring. PJ comes in and immediately provides a spark. And so it's like, okay, we'll just roll with this. And Vernon eventually plays seven minutes in that one. But what did you make of the Vernon Carey experience, Nada? And what should we expect going forward, at least as far as this season goes? I want to love Vernon Carey. I really do. Like, there's, a, there's a, something fun about having a guy that can just put up buckets from the five spot. The problem is, and a lot of this is because he hasn't played much, but you can see him, like, you can see him on defense. The wheels are still turning. You can see him literally thinking out there. A lot of this is not reactionary yet. It's not instinct, and it needs to be instinct for him because for every great thing he did offensively, I can point to you and say he missed a a defensive rotation, hung hung his defenders out to dry, and as the center, you can't do that. You have to be able to either challenge at the rim or seal. And granted, he he was a great sealer on the rebounds, but at the same time, he just missed so many defensive rotations that I couldn't enjoy it. And that may be depressing for fans that want to hear me speak the praises of Vernon Carey. Yes, he did great offensively. But 
centers are needed more for their defensive prowess. It's kind of why I've given P.J. Washington a break on the offensive end because defensively he's been so, 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 so good. But at the same time, I just, like, I love what I saw from Vernon Carey. If he gave me 15 and a few more defensive rotations hit, I would be a lot happier with him. But I – Yeah. But the thing is, like, if I'm really honest with you, like, the thing that I learned from that game was that if there's any center with a real future on this team, it's Carey. I'm not sure it's Richards. Or if Richards is going to be ready, there's gonna have to be stuff that he's that he's clearly missing. And defensively, if they felt comfortable enough defensively to put Vernon Carey out there and not Richards in that starting spot, that tells me a lot about development developmentally where they both are. Man, offensively, he has a nice stroke. There's no doubt about it. He was hitting some very, very far shots away from the rim, right? Like you have him just pulling up off the dribble a little bit. He hit that three in the first quarter. And I mean, when he explodes in the first quarter and they go to the bench, the all of the Hornets, the sideline, they're going crazy, which was awesome to see, right? The heartwarming moment, getting to see a guy that doesn't get a whole lot of time actually go out there and be successful. But Vernon is pretty mobile offensively for a center too. And when you see him taking guys off of the dribble and it's not like he's blowing by dudes, but he's comfortable enough with putting it on the deck that you think he can get to the basket and also hit some pretty tough shots because he's strong enough. Like it, it, he's not weak out there. He, Nick Richards is the slim one. Vernon's actually got some meat on his bones and the NBA really does a great job of putting more weight on guys once they enter the association. And so offensively, man, Vernon's got that nice touch, you know, offensively too, not it kind of reminds me of a guy that just retired in LaMarcus Aldridge, right? Like he's kind of got that mid range game. He's really skilled in that regard, but it's defensively where you're not exactly trusting him the most. So we'll see about Vernon, but you, even with the defensive problems, we know how long it takes for these guys to get caught up on that end of the floor. It's just when you have that kind of talent, right? You come in, boom, your, your big boy debut, when you've got significant time and you log that kind of offensive game, it's pretty impressive. And yeah, you know, Brooklyn's bigs, they're not defending out there on the perimeter. So it really does give an advantage to Vernon who can hit that shot. It's, it was, it was really actually probably a, a pretty good opponent for Vernon to go yes, up against in his debut like that. Um, but man, he made the most of it. And so offensively really like to see what he did. And I'll say this just real quickly. Um, if, if the option is putting Bismack Biombo out there or Vernon for the rest of the season, understand, I'm understanding, understanding that biz himself has more knowledge of what to do defensively. I mean, Nada, wouldn't you just take your chances with Vernon giving you possibly a nope. 15 point out, nope. but I'm not saying he's going to give you 20. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. I'm going Vernon. It's the same thing with PJ. In my opinion, like we were reluctant to go to PJ at the five so often, but offensively just provides you so much more than biz, even with PJ's inconsistency. And then you've seen what that lineup has done with PJ being the five. And then eventually he was able to work out something where he actually was better defensively than biz at the five. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and you're right. But at the same time, like, for right now, there's a reason JB trusts Bismack Biombo. And at this point, I am at the, uh, again, with the guys that he's developed now, and now we can go through the list. Miles has taken a step forward under this coaching staff. Um, PJ has taken steps forward defensively on this, on this roster. McDaniels 
and now Vernon Carey, I am tr- I am going to trust the staff in terms of the rotation for the rest of the year because you know what? They've earned the benefit of the doubt. And basically, they're going to get the benefit of the doubt from me until shown otherwise. And I wish other fan- other Hornets fans would do the same thing. Yeah, well, yeah, Biz, you know, he didn't play against Portland last night. Um, yeah, and so what we'll see what that center rotation looks like going forward, but it'll be interesting because we know James Brego has no problem making a quick sitch, uh, switch and then being a, a mad scientist with it all. All right, Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Bet Online AG covers the NBA, it covers the NHL, award shows, TV shows, reality TV. You can head to their website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit and you can bet online with your online sports bro- uh, sports book experts promo code locked on we've got one more segment to go what are the rest of the expectations for the season with about 16 games left and then tomorrow the Hornets are going to play the Knicks a team that is playing well uh, and they're also battling for that playoff spot with let's talk about it coming up next locked on Hornets podcast this is locked on Hornets I said, oh, oh, hell yeah. Just giving that confirmation of how awesome this is going to be. You tweeted at me. You're going to be singing the chorus to Billie Jean if you ain't careful. <laughs> and Again, I point to the lie. Yes, I you're well. Yeah, you're right. This goes back to our first conversation. There's a yes, lot of babies does. being had exactly. out there. Goodness gracious. Exactly. Unexpected ones. Point ones to that the were- lie. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. Get more analysis on the top prospects available in this year's NBA draft with the Locked On NBA Draft podcast. Scouting reports, draft rumors, mock drafts, and full coverage of March Madness four days a week from credentialed draft experts. You can subscribe today and follow Locked On NBA Draft. All right, Nada, they've got the game against the Knicks, and that's coming up tomorrow. Tip is going to be for 730. You look at what New York did against the Pelicans. They won 122 to 112. They've won one, two, three, four, five, six six games in a row now and it started with a big offensive output against the Memphis Grizzlies they beat the Raptors they beat the Lakers the Pelicans the Mavs and then the Pelicans again so you see what the Knicks have been doing it's been impressive and right now the Knicks are standing fourth in the Eastern Conference and you or excuse me they're standing sixth in the Eastern Conference excuse me so it's uh Philadelphia Brooklyn Milwaukee then it's Atlanta four Boston five and New York six, and they're only a half game back of Atlanta for that four spot. The Charlotte Hornets are currently two games back of New York. And I saw Rick Bennell tweet out earlier today that if the Hornets win against the Knicks on Tuesday, then Charlotte would have the tiebreaker. They would clinch the tiebreaker against the Knicks, which would be pretty damn big, right? You would have the tiebreaker over Miami, who is currently a half game above you right now in that seven seed. And then you would have the tiebreaker over New York, who is currently two games above you in that six seed. So big game, not I heard you kind of flirting with the idea that it's a must win. Are you going all in on that take? Yeah, I think I'm going to have to go must win because if you're talking, well, hold on. I said must win if you care about seeding. If you are right. like me and you are saying they have already exceeded your expectations, you are satisfied with whatever they do for the rest of the season, which is what I kind of am. I'm kind of there to the point where I don't care what they do from here on in. All this, uh, everything else is gravy at this point for me. I am at the point now, like, but but just to answer the question, 
I, if you care about seeding, if you care about this team staying out of the playing game because your nerves are bad and you don't want to have a, you don't want to be the the team that has to play two games to win one seed, then I completely understand why you want to. Uh, again, I completely understand why this game is a must win, and if you're talking about being a top six seed. Possibly getting a home playoff again, home 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 court advantage because that's still on the table. Surprisingly, this late, despising despite losing this many guys, like all of this is still on the table for right now. And I do think that they need to beat the Knicks. The problem is, I just don't know if they have enough horses to beat them the way they are right now. And I think Julius Randle Tuesday is going to be a problem no matter what. Well, and he's been a problem for every single NBA team that he's faced. He's been awesome this year, and it's really cool to see. I I loved him out of college, and it it took a little while, but to average, he's averaging six assists per game, and him being a a flat-out ball stopper was, I think, something that was really hindering him from reaching his ceiling along with the jump shot, and for him to lock in defensively, to move the basketball, to be able to shoot well, it's impressive, and he, he really has... Uh, improved a lot on you know, big time weaknesses that were holding him back. So shout out to Julius Randle. You'll love to see it. Um, uh, watching except him come out of Kentucky the and then be able to. Yeah, except except against the Hornets on Tuesday. I don't really want to see it. I heard Doris Burke earlier today on ESPN radio talking about the New York Knicks, and, and she was giving a lot of love to Randall as well. But she did say it's the Brooklyn Nets who have the toughest remaining schedule in the Eastern Conference, and she was pretty sure, she said 99% sure, I believe, that it's the Knicks who have the toughest, uh, the second toughest remaining schedule in the Eastern Conference. So it starts with Charlotte. That's on Tuesday. They played the second night of a back-to-back against Atlanta. So two big-time games for the Knicks and some teams that they're uh, trying to battle for position with Toronto. Then it's Phoenix. The other games that they have left on their schedule, they have a big time road trip, right? They actually have a six game road trip. And on that road trip, they're going out West to play Denver, Phoenix, LA and LA all back together. And and that second LA game is against the Lakers on May 11th. You think LeBron's going to be back for that one. So it's not going to be the Dennis Schroeder led Lakers where ESPN is putting his picture as the leader of that franchise right now. Then it's San Antonio, Charlotte, and Boston. Like, it's a tough schedule for the Knicks. If you can get the tiebreaker against New York and stop their winning streak, it, it, it's going to be a huge game. I, I mean, if you're talking about top six, Nada, I kind of agree with you. Like, they need this one. They really do um, in, in order to come out on top and get yourself some good positioning. And, and right now, by the way, to your point, say that they've already got a play-in spot locked in. We'd already kind of flirted with that idea anyway, but... the Pacers, they continue to lose. I mean, they, they're uh, two games back of the Hornets. Now Uh, the Raptors and the bulls are now each five games back. And so the, the Raptors have caught up with the bulls um, and uh, they're the same. So again, you see the Pacers, they've lost three of their last four games. Like you just start to look at the schedule around some of the teams that are behind the Hornets, like to see if they could catch up. They're just not going to be able to. So it's, it's the Hornets pretty comfortably being locked in to the play in tournament. And then it's the Hornets just basically battling. Okay. Can you get to that sixth spot um, and just avoid uh, the play in outright? See, here's the thing at this point, I'm kind considering the teams that are below them. I'm kind of okay with, with the playing tournament, because if you get to seven, that means you're seven or eight guarantees you two shots at getting a playoff, uh, getting a playoff seating, and if there's two shots, most likely 
you're going to have at least LaMelo Ball and or get Gordon Hayward back for at least one of those games, I would like to think. Where yeah. I get where I kind of worry is, and, and for me at least, this is my general seeding. You're going, unless you're the four seed, you're most likely getting smacked against anybody you go against in the playoffs at this point. If you go up, up against a focused Milwaukee team, you may catch at the six seed, you may catch a game or two. Maybe. <clears throat> Brooklyn, same thing. You have no chance against Philly, period. This team has no chance to win a game against Philly because they're the possible worst matchup for the for the Hornets. So either get to the four seed or give me the play in and rest up. And that's where I'm at with this team now. It, it is it is kind of hilarious to see, right? Like the first three teams in the Eastern Conference, they're all awesome and they're gonna play in the second round of of uh of the playoffs for sure. But that four five matchup if, if it's Boston or Miami, then everything all goes according to plan. You would expect those teams to have a legit shot to move on. So, you know, either one of those teams moving on to the second round, it was expected this season. But Atlanta, New York and Charlotte all having a legit shot to then maybe move on to the second. Because think about it. Let's just say for some crazy reason, Charlotte gets in that four or five matchup and they play the Hawks or the Knicks. Charlotte's not out of it. It's not like you're saying Charlotte, there's no way in hell that they can't win that series. And for either one of those three teams to be a second round playoff team, certainly not expected heading into the season. What a weird season it's been really specifically in the Eastern conference. All right. That wraps up this edition of lockdown Hornets. Thanks again to RockAuto.com for supporting the show. Tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of locked on NBA or really any show on the locked on podcast network. Have a great day. We'll be back with you tomorrow.